Welcome to Central Coast Conversations, the podcast that will feature in-depth and engaging discussions with influencers and community leaders, as well as national and local hot topics that are being talked about by everyone, everywhere. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the first episode of CCC with YT. I'm your host, Yvonne Thomas, and I'm so excited to introduce my very first guest the mayor of my hometown, Seaside, California, the Honorable Mayor Ian Oglesby. Mayor Oglesby is currently serving his third term as mayor of Seaside. Prior to becoming mayor, he served two terms as a Seaside City Council member and one term as mayor pro tem. Ian is passionate about Seaside and his focus is on prioritizing our city's economic development building housing that is affordable, and increasing community safety. Welcome to Central Coast Conversations, Mayor Oglesby, and thank you so much for joining me. We've got a lot to cover today, and I know my listeners are interested in hearing directly from you. So let's dive in and get started. I grew up right here in Seaside, and I actually attended Orteris Elementary School, which is right in the neighborhood that you live in. And I read in your bio that you actually grew up in Chicago. So can you tell us about your journey from Chicago to becoming mayor of a small town on the Monterey Peninsula in the Central California? Sure, of course. Thank you, Vaughn. Thank you for uh, having me today. Uh, to, to be clear, I grew up in a, a suburb of Chicago. It's about 40 miles north of Chicago. And uh, for some reason, they named it North Chicago. So I'm from the city of North Chicago, Illinois. I grew up there, and uh, it's a military town with the United States uh, Naval Base, uh, Great Lakes. Uh, And it's very similar to the city of Seaside, uh, right on the uh, uh, Lake Michigan there. So we had a little beach, and then the uh, Naval Base opened up to our, our downtown, our little strip there. But growing up, I just, uh, you know, like all little kids, just uh, really appreciate what the military service did for individuals and did for the country. So I always seen myself joining the military. And I ended up joining the military when I was 17 years old, right out of high school. Served in the military for uh, 10 years. Uh, uh, served in uh, West Germany. And then I ended up doing my last four years here at Fort Ord, a military base in and loved the people, loved the weather, and when it was time to close the base and re-enlist, um, I was uh, going to uh, start my third enlistment, and I hurt myself uh, uh, playing basketball, so that kind of uh, uh, stalled my military career in a sense, and it was time to re-enlist, and uh, I just decided to stay here. It reminded me of home, uh, the people, the weather, uh, the location, and it's just been wonderful after I got out the military. Lucky to stay here. Sounds great. It sounds very similar to here, so I can understand the attraction. Mm -hmm. Okay, you have followed in the footsteps of a rich history of black mayors here in Seaside. Um, I grew up here in Seaside, remember Stephen Ross, Oscar Lawson, Jerry Smith, Don Jordan. Um, Who do you seek advice from about what it takes to be a mayor, and do you have any mentors? Oh, yeah. I've been so lucky since I got here. Um, you know, I started my uh, uh, career in the Department of Corrections where I ran into um, 
former mayor Jerry Smith and supervised Jerry Smith. And uh, he was my mentor until his passing. And he's really the one that got me started in governance. He gave me my first appointment to one of the county commissions on overall economic development. And that really started my, my love affair with governance itself. So I would say if there was a mentor, it was him. Uh, and to my benefit, him and um, Mayor Rubio got along uh, great. And I was able to uh, work alongside uh, Mayor Rubio uh, again before uh, his untimely passing. And, and I just looked at our past mayors and just learned a lot from the struggles that they had about building community and really making sure Seaside was open and diverse and, and moved forward economically. What made you decide that you wanted to run for public office? You were a city councilman. Yeah, I was city councilman for eight years. Uh, and, um, well, I, I would just say just realizing what it took to provide the services for our communities. I think we all can remember as kids that we had the police, we had fire. And sometimes I tell a story about the, about the, you know, the buses running on time. But you didn't know how they came about. And as an adult, after a while, you realize it's people just like you making informed decisions to provide a better community. And I really wanted to give back because I can always reflect on as a young kid running around my little town, I felt relatively safe. Uh, the buses ran on time. The police came when you called and um, services were provided. So I just want to give back. And I, and I think I can do that. So. That's wonderful. And just following up on that, I see you at so many different events in the community, and I follow you on social media. And you seem to be everywhere, so I'm convinced that you don't sleep, I don't think. But can you describe a day in the life of Seaside's mayor? Well, it starts very early, you know, getting up early and, and getting my thoughts together and then deciding on what to do. And, and pretty much that's already laid out for me on most days. And that's attending community events or going into City Hall and answering my emails and uh, meeting constituents. So it's it's just a, a really a, a replay of that every other day uh, in different orders. You know, meet constituents first and meet meetings in the evening means in the morning, constituents in the afternoon. But uh, it's, it's after a while, it becomes routine, but it is very busy. And But I enjoy it. I love it so much. Okay. I recently heard an interview with um, Monterey's new mayor, Tyler Williamson, and he said that he is actually still working full-time. So he works from 7 to 4.30 every day and then heads over to City Hall and then works into the evening as a mayor. Is that similar to um, most of the small cities here that mayors work full-time, and are also mayor? No, that is not. Uh, pretty much the uh, routine is a, a semi-retired or retired mayor. I know uh, Mayor Rubio used to work full-time. Uh, I worked full-time as a council member, but I just found it was not able to do that uh, as mayor, particularly mayor of Seaside. And so, uh, but uh, you try to do your best, and I would say most uh, small-time mayors are uh, retired or semi-retired. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about the city of Seaside. Seaside is still experiencing some growing pains after the closure of Fort Ord in 1994, and we see a lot of growth in our surrounding sister cities. Would you say that Seaside is growing comparable to other cities, or are we behind? Are we ahead? How do you see what's happening with our city? 
Well, I would say we're we're comparable. I, I definitely wouldn't say we're behind. When when it's easy to say you're behind when you're looking at other cities, um, but you have to take into consideration actually our situation and what's going on here at Seaside. People are so surprised when I tell them that uh, the city of Seaside has three different water purveyors, meaning that if you ask me about development or growth in any part of the city, first I would have to ask you, where is that at? And depending on that location depends on the situation with water. And I think uh, uh, most of our residents know that over the last 15 years, we've been, um, our water consumption has been reduced uh, because they uh, want Calam to come off the Carmel River. So Calam uh, has not been able to provide water for any uh, increase of use or new uh, water hookups. And so that's a difficult challenge that we're making in Seaside proper, but our properties on the former Fort Ord are, again, underneath the water, another water purveyor, which is Marina Coast Water, and we're making strides on our parcels over there. And last, I would just add on those parcels on um, the former Fort Ord were given to us after... Um, the other communities received their parcels because ours were large enough that, and then there were certain areas that needed to be cleaned up, i.e. on firing ranges and things like that. So considering what we have, I would not say we're behind. I would just say we just had to keep on moving forward, being consistent about how we want to develop the land that we do have. Okay. Thank you for explaining that about the water. That's a question that I hear coming up quite a bit. And a lot of our public officials always say it's the water. And most of the citizens don't understand what exactly that means. So thank you for that thorough explanation. And times have definitely changed here. The cost of living on the Monterey Peninsula right now is very high. I have a lot of friends that um, I grew up with here in Seaside, and they would love to move back here because I think you appreciate this place a little bit more when you get older. When I was younger, I thought everyone lived up with a, lived with a view of the ocean, and then I lived in Los Angeles for a long time and found out times are very different yeah. down there. But a lot of my friends would love to come back here right now, but it's just too expensive. Is there any hope for them that something will change in the future that will allow them to come back here and be able to afford to live here again? I would say yes, most definitely. We're after about 15 years, to be, to be clear, uh, is it has been the water challenge, and I would say we're, we're finally meeting that challenge as a region. Uh, it's not just a seaside uh, issue. It's a peninsula-wide, regional-wide issue about the water that it takes to build. And uh, as everyone knows, uh, you need water uh, to go to that house before you build that house. And it's just a su- supply and demand, supply and demand where... Uh, If you're not building, of course, the uh, limited resources become more valuable and more expensive. And that's where we're going through now. Uh, Seaside has a development project, which is the Campus Town Project on the former Fort Ord again with about 1,400 housing units uh, that is uh, scheduled to go. They're working to go. And we believe that they will start sometime towards the uh, end of the year. Uh, After a long fits and start and after a long three-year process where they were being sued and that project was stalled for about the last three years. And that will take some of the pressure off housing, provide more housing for families to move out and seniors to buy a smaller home and open up that three-bedroom home for growing families. So that should uh, ease the pressure on the cost and the rise of the cost of living here in Seaside as relates to housing. Okay. 
What other things do you see for the future of Seaside and the growth of Seaside? Well, there's so many things on the horizon. I just see wonderful things coming forward. I mentioned the uh, uh, the Campus Town Project. We also have uh, on our, what I call our hotel complex on the former Fort Ord in our um, golf course complex. Uh, we have what we call a, a Grand Hyatt that's going to be built there. We believe they're going to start breaking ground in uh, early December of this year. Uh, that is... Um, it's only 59 Grand Hyatts in the world. Our weird would be the 60th, so that's a real jewel and a feather in the cap of the city of Seaside. Thereby, uh, once that happens, again, we will be on the map as one of the uh, resort designations of the world. And so that is good. Our downtown on Broadway, uh, West Broadway Urban Village is moving along uh, fabulously. Uh, we believe we have a developer that wants to uh, remodel and redesign the uh, Seaside Market. It's a long time coming, but they're in design. Um, they have put their designs at the planning department right now, and they're going over their design. So we believe they're going to move forward, too. Okay, perfect. I'm so happy to hear about the Grand Hyatt because I guess one of my pet peeves is that I hear people talk about the Monterey Peninsula. And when they mention cities that they consider to be the top-tier cities or the crown jewels, they don't mention Seaside. And I believe Seaside is right up there with the other cities. So what can we do as citizens in order to change, I would say, the perception of Seaside mm -hmm. so that we're thought of as one of the top-tier cities? Yeah. I would just say stay focused on our goals and our objectives, which is to uh, become that, that jewel on the peninsula and take our rightful place along with the other cities that we have. And that was laid down by what you said before about the mayors that came before me. All the seceding mayors work for that one objective. And the Grand High has been something that's been on the books since the closing of um, the former Fort Ord in 1994. We always envisioned a five-star hotel going up there, and now it's coming to fruition. So it's about staying um, focused and really moving forward in a substantial manner where uh, we don't take a step back. We take steps forward. And it, we always face challenges. Every community faces challenges. But Seaside is taking its rightful place. And part of that is the revitalization of our Fort Ord, uh, former Fort Ord lands. One question that I have, a lot of people wonder, Fort Ord was set up for pretty much everything. It had football stadiums. It had bowling alleys. It had barracks that the um, the military lived in. And then it seems like they didn't use a lot of that for when CSUMB was built. Is there a reason why a lot of the existing infrastructure at Fort Ord was not used in order, and it just sort of sat there and deteriorated? Well, great question. Wonderful question. And and uh, I'll tell you a little story. Uh, part of the, uh, the rehab of the former Fort Ord was the gift of land. The gift of land was given to each city. Um, I believe Seaside uh, got about 1,100 acres, CSUMB got about 1,100 acres, and Marina got about 1,100 acres, and uh, Monterey and uh, Delray Oaks got a little smaller uh, parcels. The issue is that those buildings that we were giving were really not uh, up to uh, earthquake standards. Mm. And that's where a lot of people forget that uh, the military built those buildings back in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. And they yes. built, you know, they built good, strong buildings, military, mm -hmm. but they were not up to California standards okay. because they were not required to meet. So a lot of those buildings, particularly uh, for us, I think you may remember, um, I believe it was Shea Jim. 
Yes. The old say gem. And we looked into retrofitting that, but it costs more to retrofit than it would to 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 really build a new uh, uh, basketball, uh, um, indoor basketball center. Okay. And that's the same thing that the CSUMB ran into. They re- try to retrofit a couple of their buildings, but it's just cost prohibitive. And then they went to the state to get money to take down their buildings. Okay. That explains that a lot of people are wondering, and then they also still see a lot of the buildings still standing out there. Uh, again, you, you make an excellent point. Uh, we were given the land, each entity, land use jurisdiction was given that land. What the caveat is the state would not provide or the federal government would not provide any money to take those buildings down. So you either do it with your general fund or you do it with developer funds. So it's really they encouraged us to um, sell the land to developers and how the developers take the buildings down. But most of the buildings in our jurisdictions were what we call the hammerheads, meaning those old um, cement buildings. So um, other communities may have had the wooden buildings, but we had the cement buildings. And when it came time to take them down, they were roughly about uh, about six, seven years ago. They were roughly about uh, $1.1 million each. Mm. And we know it went up now. And so it's really in our interest to provide the incentive for a developer to take it down because it, it doesn't really make sense to, uh, and we don't have the money in our general fund to take down a building for one or $2 million and then have it sit mm-hmm. to offer up the uh, the land to a developer because you, you don't get that money back. Okay. But we do have plans on taking them down. So I just want to reassure you, okay. <laughs> uh, our plan is to, uh, again, Cabot's Town um, is going to, continue to move forward there buying the parcels on the land that the buildings are already taken down. We're going to use that money to take down more buildings uh, that you see in the back of that uh, development project right now. Okay. Got it. Thank you. Actually, one question I have. You're on your third term as mayor? Is that yes. Correct? Um, and will there be a fourth term? Are you planning to come back or do you have ambitions for other offices Tell us what your future is. Well, first of all, my ambition is to do the best job I can for the citizens of Seaside. And then I do plan on on running for re-election. So my focus is day-to-day fighting and working on behalf of the residents of Seaside. We do have plans on uh, using the land on the former Fort Ord to revitalize our economy. Uh, I think you may have heard of our, our Seaside East. Uh, that's a vision for close to, you know, we need to make room for three to 4,000 housing units up there. But again, the challenge is to have the water, you know, with that. Uh, but we're making strides in finding that water. So when you talk about the vision of Seaside, it is great. Uh, we have the Seaside East, which I just mentioned. I mentioned the campus town. I mentioned the hotel complex with the Grand Hyatt, which is 333 rooms. Uh, will be a jewel in um, the cap of the citizens of Seaside. Uh, we also are working very closely to develop our main gate po- uh, parcel with the CSUMB, and that's right off when you come off um, a life fighter uh, drive, and that's about uh, 52 acres of, of prime land ready for a developer to develop it. Uh, my goal is to make sure that Seaside remains in the driving a seat of that and retains a lot of that land by developing it itself. Okay. You mentioned Seaside East, so let's talk about that a little yeah. bit. Um, I've heard ideas for an amphitheater up there. I've heard that a courthouse is coming. Okay. What 
what can you share with us that will be in Seaside East? Wow. Wonderful, wonderful. I'll just take a step back and talk about the courthouse. The courthouse has moved from that location to our main gate location. Okay. And for um, those listening, uh, they may remember or know of the um, soccer field on CSUMB property. Our main gate is across the street on that, on 2nd Avenue, 2nd and Duvardi. Mm -hmm. And the courthouse, uh, a seven-room state courthouse will be there uh, at that corner. And so we look to fill that out with maybe an office complex next to the courthouse and then entities that will um, entertain and allow for uh, students and faculty, staff and the residents of Seaside to come over to the area and enjoy uh, that part of Seaside. Uh, we believe uh, there's enough room up there for student housing, workforce housing, and affordable housing on that parcel also. That's the main gate parcel. Uh, going up on the General Jim Moore is our Seaside East. Um, it's about um, 600 acres. We believe about 300 or 250 to 300 acres are um, actually developable. And we believe that uh, around four to 5,000 housing units can fit up there along with other mixed-use entities. And so is there amphitheater? Uh, maybe, um, you know, what we want to do is make sure we plan for the future and leave those options open for um, councils and uh, residents of the future. And so that's about 10 to 15 years out, uh, but we're planning for that use now. Okay. Sounds great. I hear a lot of um, wonderful plans coming for Seaside. And as I mentioned to you, I was born and raised here. So watching the future development and future growth for Seaside is just very exciting to me. Um, are there any other plans or anything you'd like to share with um, our listeners today about the future for Seaside and the Monterey Peninsula? Right. I, I believe the future is very bright. We all have been dealing on the peninsula with this uh, water crisis, but um, everyone is working hard and we believe it's going to be solved over the next two to three years where we won't be talking about uh, necessarily um, waiting for water. Water would be there for economic development. And that would lead us to um, rebuild and revitalize our downtown. I know a lot of people are concerned and I and I share their concerns and I work on it every day about how do we get more small businesses, more uh, economic development in our, in our downtown. But again, uh, that's Calam's area. And right now, you know, no matter how much money you have, they're not allowed to give you more water. Mm -hmm. So we would love for those uh, one-story buildings to be two, three, four-story buildings with uh, mixed-use uh, apartments on <clears throat> on top and uh, redevelopment or uh, retail on the bottom. Um, but that takes water. I know that we're in post-COVID right now. But did it slow things down? How did it really affect? It affected everybody, so it must have affected the development plans. Yeah, I would say that uh, realistically, it, it put development, um, um, particularly here in Cezanne, and, and I'm sure I'm comfortable with a lot of others by saying it, it put the the world's economy behind. So let's talk about Seaside. I would say about 18 to 24 months behind, because we have to remember, when we could meet uh, socially for those 24 months, that meant businesses uh, could not meet uh, for for a business or economic development or just to uh, talk about how can they bring in more resources. So that included um, engineers, architects, accountants, all kinds of professionals that couldn't meet or meet remotely and just um, business reduced. And everybody was preparing for maybe a wider downturn in the economy uh, 
And so people were not moving forward with the big time deals. Uh, and then those included some deals in the city of Seaside. Okay, got it. Well, that's all I have for you. Is there anything else that you would like to add for us today? No, thank you, Yvonne. I just don't have anything else. I just want to thank you for uh, hosting this podcast. It's very informative, and I believe our residents will get a lot out of it, especially your listeners. Thank you so much for joining us and for being my first guest. So we want to thank Mayor Ian Oglesby from the city of Seaside on Central Coast Conversations. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And thank you once again to Mayor Ian Oglesby for being the first Central Coast Conversations guest on our Meet the Mayor segment. This podcast releases every Friday with 30 to 60 minute episodes featuring interviews with special guests, commentary, and my personal take on current events happening in this outrageous world we live in. We hope you'll listen in on our next episode coming soon. CCC with YT Podcast is executive produced by Yvonne Thomas. Theme music by Shayla the Artist. Thank you for listening. It's no surprise.